Ever feel like you've got to get your should together? Is your should about to hit the fan? Have you been sitting in your shoulds for most of your life wondering if you could be more, see more, or do more? Welcome to Shut the Should Up with Candace Payne and Jenny Randall. We're both authors and speakers who want to stomp out your flaming bag of should. With a whole lot of faith, together, let's sort through the pain, purpose, and promise to find freedom in the things we tell ourselves we should and should not do. Because there's so much more in you. Welcome, everybody. I am so excited. So excited for today. Me too. We have a special guest with us today, and we don't often do that. Here on our show. I mean, no, we don't. that's not our format, but we could not resist having Lisa Bevere join us today. A lot of our listeners have been sharing how they struggle with this particular topic, and we are a topic-driven show, and we were like, obviously, she's the one we have to bring in for this. Absolutely. Obviously. I met Lisa... Uh, in June of 2019, we were at a speaking event together and we were backstage and we just hit it off. But not only that, like she just really invested a good solid, maybe 30 minutes to an hour of just being alone and getting to know me and like mama bear friend to Candace. And you have no clue how rare those moments are for somebody that everybody else is looking to have an answer. So for me to have that, it was just, it was just a gift. And it's the same kind of gift that we're giving to you today on Shut the Shut Up. We are able to have an interview with Lisa as she was traveling from her house to an airport because that's just how busy of a lady she is, which it was a gift to be able to talk to her today. And we're going to share with you that interview. And if you don't know Lisa's story, it's a powerful story. If you haven't heard her speak or teach, you are want to go check out her resources. We're going to give you all the things that you need to know in the show notes. But just a little bit about Lisa. She has spent nearly three decades empowering women of all ages to find their identity and purpose. She is a New York Times bestselling author and internationally known speaker. Her books, which include Adamant, Lioness Arising, Girls with Swords, and Without Rival, are in the hands of millions worldwide. Lisa and her husband, John, are the founders of Messenger International, an organization committed to developing uncompromising followers of Christ who transform their world. Messenger International has given away nearly 20 million resources in 106 languages. So... When we're talking about she has some authority when she speaks, yeah, we're not just being flippant. Like, honestly, yeah, you're going to want to listen. <laughs> so today we're featuring Lisa in a few segments, and we're going to actually be discussing her struggle with anger, what the Bible says about it, and her book, Be Angry But Don't Blow It. Which, by the way, is fascinating and life-changing and all things wonderful. And just to be honest, um, God kind of pulled a sneaky on me with her book. I thought I was just reading it so we could prepare for today's show. Little did I know that I was going to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit in Starbucks and find myself weeping over my egg bites, but that's fine. We'll talk about that later. I mean, it's good. Oh, I can't wait. So Candace is ready. Are you guys ready? We're going to find freedom from all of that should. Won't you do it, y'all? Time and time again, won't you do it, y'all? So 
celebrate how God is using this podcast to make an impact and share a review. And don't forget, if you're loving the show, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or however you listen. Yeah, Tasha Ladd. Do you think I hit that name right? I Tasha don't. Ladd. I don't. I think you need to try again. Really? It's two D's at the end. So maybe it's Tasha, Tasha Ladd. Gave us five stars. That's right. We love you. Here's what she said. This podcast, it's all the things I need. Funny, deep, lie crushing, truth. I can't wait to hear more. Emoji high fives. Now, well, you think that's emoji high fives? I think that's emoji praise hands. Actually, I meant to say emoji high tens. And I also, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely slapped me some. But, but it's also, (laughs) it's also praise it for Jesus. Praise those hands. Get a little charismatic. I've never heard anybody call it high tens or high fives. I think it's, I think it's praise hands. But how do you emoji, how do you emoji a high five, high ten? Give me some. Just the hand. Oh, the one-handed wave? That's the wave. No, not the wave. It's very different. It's just one hand. Oh, one of, yeah. But when you want to get really intense and all in, you got to do high tens. What do you do? I I would never high ten a person in real life. That's too involved. There's too much I got to worry about my side boob staying in my bra. I have issues with like, is both of my underarms smelling okay right now? I would never high ten... I've lost you. You're completely sucked in a hole of laughter. <laughs> you worry about your smell for a high 10? Well, don't you always worry about your smell whenever you lift up your armpit? I mean, like whenever. It de- it debilitates me during worship. I'm just saying. Have you ever done a praise hands casual s- snip to the side? No. What I do is I pull out my pits from my shirt, bring them to the center, and I sniff. Oh, you don't even try to be discreet. I don't hide it. I'm like, if I'm smelling, you already smell me. Shouldn't I be a part of the knowledge that everybody else has around me? Why hide that mess? And then if I smell good, it's a delightful surprise. And so I don't feel bad at all. Then I look around with approval to everybody around me that I've already done the hard work of checking these for you. They smell great. We're all okay. And I kind of give like a little smirk and a wink. Like, (laughs) you should do a high 10 at that point. No. No high tens in my life. <laughs> I smell good. Boom. I wish, you know what I wish? I wish Lisa was here for this conversation. You called in with your questions. You shared with us your shoulds. We just want to listen. And maybe we can do some good. You said what? We would love to feature you as well on an upcoming show. All you got to do is call in to 315-308-0163. You know what, Diana? We like Diana. She gave us a call. I think she's a regular. She's a regular. And we like what she has to say. Hey, I'm Diana from Arlington, Texas. And I um, am not one to easily get angered, but I have learned that when I let my stress level get too high or if I do too much of something, I tend to let myself uh, build up um, and then it just all comes out at once. I think it's a two-part thing for me. I, I let it build up and then I also start to get resentful and that too, that in turn can fall onto my kids and my husband and that's not fair. So I really need to work on it, but I also need to remember what 
I can handle. So anyways, thank y'all for all you do. And I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much for sharing, Diana. Lisa shares in her book about what it looks like to carry a fence within a relationship. And here's a quote that I want to share with you guys. She said this, and I quote, if this is someone you've had a relationship with for a while, you might replay former infractions you have stored in your memory banks. Now the offense has grown and needs more of your thought life. It demands to be noticed. And the next time you see this individual, you find that you are uncomfortable with them. You avoid looking them in the eye and either feel a false sense of superiority or a distasteful distancing from them. In this case, the passion we speak of is resentment. Growing in the womb of your mind is an offense. It is not long before you find yourself becoming short and impatient with this person. You are upset when you even hear them praised by another. End quote. Whew. You know, I think this is a topic that is vital to discuss, but I'm I'm just going to tell you, this hit me deep. Like this came from chapter six of her book, Be Angry, But Don't Blow It. We all know somebody that has an offense against us, but it's what you do with that that leads to bitterness and resentment and eventually unforgiveness. Yeah. And I tell you, unforgiveness leads to so much graver things in our spiritual lives than we even understand the consequence of. And I love what she says in um, Be Angry But Don't Blow It. It's page 53 of her book. I mean, I want to get that specific because I want people to really check this out. Bitterness holds us captive to sin. Because of unresolved offenses, we will attempt to use the precious things of God to validate ourselves rather than to equip others. We will inadvertently mix the precious with the vile. The pure and precious may enter our heart, but it is soon defiled and polluted by the root of bitterness that resides therein. The grace of God is twisted into a license to sin instead of an empowerment to walk in obedience. And so here we have a caller calling in saying, you know, I have this issue and I'm wondering, uh, and Lisa, I'm telling you y'all, she hits the nail on the head when she talks about what happens inside of your heart that you need to guard. You know, Proverbs 4.23, it tells us so clearly, above all else, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. Um, And if you find your heart unguarded in your relationships when somebody wrongs you, and listen, in my case, and in many people's cases, you can be justified in what the wrong is. Yeah. And Lisa teaches that in her book. She teaches that. It could really be something that not only is justified from person to person in an offense, but it probably angers the heart of God as well. And so what do you do with that when that happens? And then you feel like, well, who's going to, who's going to stand up for the one being abused or mistreated or misaligned or set aside if it's not me. And so then you have this offense, you know, that, that begins to really push a deeper root of bitterness, which turns into that unforgiveness. And I know Lisa's going to come on here in just a second and I don't want to steal her thunder, Um, at all. But man, this morning through her words in her book, the greater thing that God was just showing me is unforgiveness leads to so many things that we disguise as other issues in our life. 
<laughs> the real root of probably what's happening where you're not seeing fruit of the Holy Spirit develop can always come back to where are you harboring unforgiveness? And if we've been forgiven, great. Shouldn't we forgive to the level of that same greatness towards others? How dare we hold offense? And I'm saying this in a harsh way because these are the things that I'm speaking to myself right now. Like if you're hearing as a listener and you're like, dang, well, Candace is just being so rude. She said, how dare we? (laughs) I'm just telling you, that's the inner dialogue that the Holy Spirit is digging in my brain right now. He's saying, Candace, I know you see wrong. I know you see offense. I know you see injustice. I know you see something that hurts my heart as well. I know that you feel that, that righteous indignation for something that is not what I have designed, but in the process of seeing that you cannot hold and harbor unforgiveness. You cannot stand and say that this offense is greater than my mercy. Woo! I'm go- I gotta get up. And- uh-uh. She's get- dancing. I'm, she's I'm do- ser- she's getting I'm a serious. church hanky. She's I'm doing serious. something. I cannot- doing the charismatic hustle. <laughs> it's true. It's good. Every day is a come to Jesus moment on our podcast and you've you've experienced it. You've had it. The thing that I love is then when you're a place to acknowledge the voice of God over your life and you come humbly and repentant, that's what it's about. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. And Lisa's yeah. going to take over in the next segment and, and even teach us about anger because we can be angry. Like Candace was saying, we can, we can have a healthy anger. What does that look like? What's our response when it gets unhealthy and uh, how can we... How can we honor God in the process? It really is amazing the things that we tell ourselves that we should and shouldn't do. The things that we constantly play on repeat in our heads. Come on now, what do we say? Lisa, thank you for being here with us today. Listen, we understand that you approach almost everything that you speak about with some tenacity, with some fervor, (laughs) and we are grateful to have you join us today. And we just want you to share from your journey what it was like to learn how to navigate your anger in a healthy way. Well, you know what? I have so many stories of how I didn't navigate it in a healthy way. You know, when John and I first got married, uh, you know, like right before we got married, we did the premarital counseling, but we didn't listen to anything they said because we thought we were smarter than everybody. (laughs) We're like, hey, that's for people that don't, you know, like that God didn't put together. We'll never have fights. The only thing we disagree with is salad dressing. John likes Thousand (laughs) Island, which I'm sorry, that's just wrong. That's mayonnaise, ketchup, (laughs) and pickle relish. I'm, I'm sorry, no Italian, no self-respecting Italian should like Thousand Island. So I said, you know what, it'll be a matter of time, and I will be able to sway him into liking vinegar and oil. And so what happened was I thought, okay, that's it. We, we hardly disagree. But then about three months into our marriage, I had a vision, and it was a vision of a perfect man. And I realized Mm. the reason that I had been given to John was to change him from the man he was to the man he could Mm. be if he would just work with my vision. But John was not cooperating. He'd had a vision of his own, visions of a sweet, supportive, submissive wife. And 
we began to fight like you cannot believe. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you don't have children around to watch you, you will do really stupid things. The first couple months of our marriage looked like WWF wrestling. I remember John blocked me from leaving a room, and I thought, that's it. I backed up as far as I could. I was like, you skinny little tennis player husband, I will knock you flat on your back because I ran track <laughs> to obey. And I ran at him full speed, knocked him down, said, no wow. man me in a room I don't want to be in. Just wow. this incredible, incredible uh, comfort. But it was just, to be honest with you, it was like one once every other month, I might mm. call my husband a name, tackle him, throw a plate at him. But then I began to pray this dangerous prayer. I remember it was New Year's Eve of 1988. I was a pastor's wife. I thought, you know what? I've arrived. I mean, God is happy with me. I'm sitting on the front row. There's probably two things wrong with my life. So I remember it was old school worship, take me into the Holy of Holies, take me yeah. in by the blood of the Lamb, take me in by the, the cold, cleanse the lips. Here I am. And I actually thought, you know what? I'll go to bed. Angel will probably show up, tap me on the shoulder, put a coal on my lips, and I will be perfect. But mm. Candace, that started a nightmare for me because mm. now it wasn't like every other month. It was every month. And my husband was like, I think three months retention is a real thing. Then it went from every month to like twice a month. And then I decided, well, we're youth pastors. Probably all the witches in Orlando are praying against us and we are under spiritual attack. I had this incredible list of reasons of why I would get angry. And I would have fights with my husband and he would say, why are you so upset? And I would say, you know why. And I would say, you know why, because I actually didn't know why. I would wake up and I would mm-hmm. feel like I had a volcano going off inside of me. And I would be super productive during these time periods. When I was angry, I could like organize the whole house. I could get everything ready. Now, we had had one child, moved into our very first house, and I was storming around the house, storming around the kitchen, slamming doors, putting things down harder than I needed to. And I had just decided to put a load of laundry in and I slammed the dryer door and I turned around and John was standing right there. And he said, you know what, Lisa, you are not breaking things in this new house. He picked me up and put me in the garage. And he said, you are staying out there. And he calmed down. Well, Hmm. I guess you could imagine that would have the opposite effect of calming (laughs) down. I was like, what? So I went to the front door, rang the doorbell, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. And he said, I'm not, I'm not letting you in until you calm down. And I said, all right, I'm going to go to the neighbors and I'm going to tell them that you locked me in the garage. And he was like, go ahead. Cause he knew I wouldn't do it. So I went back to the garage and we had boxes out there. And so I thought, fine. Okay. I'm in this garage. I want to be in this garage. He's going to have to come and ask me to come back in. So I start unpacking boxes. I'm going through different things. And then I realize it's been like an hour and he hasn't gotten me. And I think, wait a minute. Now, what if every time I get upset, my husband locks me in the garage? This is going to be an awful pattern. Mm -hmm. I'm going to spend a lot of time out here. 
So I thought, I'm going to find something of John's that I can break. Now, it's not going to be something that I have to replace because we have no money, but something that will send a clear message to John. You don't put your woman in the garage. And so I'm rifling through his stuff, and I can't find something to break that wouldn't, you know, see, it would be me. So I thought, okay, wait a minute. My husband does all the grilling in our house. I'm going to take a hammer to the lid of the grill, put a dent in it, and this way, every time John goes to grill, he'll say, whoa, that woman is strong. I'm not going to mess with her. And as soon as I was, you know, pulling back my arm, going to hit the grill, when I heard the Holy Spirit say, if you hit this grill, it will be you doing it. It is not the witches. It is not your Sicilian. It is not your mother. It is not your father. It is you. And you know what I did? I said, I bind condemnation and I hit the grill. Put a massive dent wow. in it. Knocked on the door. Showed John, hey, this is what I've done. This is the message it sends. And John said, you know what? I don't know what it's going to take for you to get a grip on your temper. So then I had my second child. Now, I have felt that one child is an accessory. You take them up. You dress them up. They behave well. It's all a trick to get you to have mm. more children. When I had my <laughs> second son, I thought, I will never brush my teeth before noon again. What right. I thinking i can and my husband was a youth pastor we had one car he would leave with it every single morning uh, and wave goodbye to me and i would say pray for the safety of your children he's like you're going to be okay but he would come home and every single day i would be standing there with my nursing flaps down a spank spoon in my hand the house in a mess and my husband would say what did you do all day and i would say i don't i don't know but i was busy and so every day I felt like I was flunking a test now my firstborn who had always been perfect about going down for a nap once I had the second child he was like I, I can't I can't do that for you anymore there might be something happening that I might miss you might be kissing the baby it's got to all be equal you kiss the baby you got to kiss me everything has to be under my jurisdiction as the firstborn and so now my son wouldn't go down for a nap. And it was back mm. in the day when we were trapped on the phone. There was no such thing as a portable phone. And I had a listed phone number as a pastor's wife. And so people were calling me for prayer. People were calling me with their problems. And my son would hear the phone, know I was trapped in the kitchen, get off his bed, and just run amok. And I would be standing there outside of the kitchen, stomping my foot, waving a spank spoon, like, get back in your room. And he would just mm -hmm. wave right back at me, like, I see your hand, mm -hmm. but I'm not going anywhere. So I remember one day he came down the stairs, and I came up to meet him. And I no longer saw a child. I saw an enemy. I thought, this is the one who is keeping me from getting anything done. I went into his room. I looked around, and I thought, what can I do so he doesn't get off his bed? And I heard, lift him up, eye level, slam him into the wall, and put him down on the bed. That's what, that's what you need to do. And wow. Candace, I lifted my son up eye level, and then I saw something I'd never seen before. He was not afraid 
of what I was going to do because he had no idea what I was going to do. He was afraid of me. And when I saw the fear in my son's eyes, I remembered my own growing up in a physically and emotionally abusive household. And every time I was slapped, every time I was kicked, every time I was shoved into a wall, I made myself a promise. And it went like this. I will never treat my children this way. Mm. But there I was, a born-again pastor's wife, getting ready to hurt my son. It broke me. I put him mm. down on the bed. I said, I'm so sorry. I scared you. I went downstairs, hit the carpet, began to cry. I said, God, it's not the witches. It's not my parents. It's not my husband. He's not here. It's me. I have a real problem with anger, and I don't know how to get free. And in Gosh. that stillness, I heard, because you're no longer justifying this, I'll take it out of your life. See, what we justify, we buy. We say we've earned the right to be this way because of what's been done to me. And yet we have forgotten that what was done for us by Jesus is greater than anything that was ever done to us. And that was the catalyst of turning from that unhealthy anger pattern to a beginning to say, that's it. I'm going to learn how to be angry and sin not. It's powerful because I think we have so many listeners right now, even tuning in and they're discovering, oh my goodness, there's somebody in church that thinks and acts the same way that I'm acting in my anger. There's somebody that's bold enough to confess that and to tell their true story and to be relatable. Um, Lisa, I'm just, I applaud you for how you're bringing light to this topic because I don't think that you're alone. And I don't think that you're the only one that's walked this road. I think there's many women right now that are trying to navigate how to be angry, but not blow it. He said, what? some of you guys listening can relate to Lisa's story on some level, whether it's getting angry with your kids or having this resentment towards your parents or spouses or your spouse, not hopefully not spouses. <laughs> uh, maybe you felt angry towards God even. So Lisa, in this section, we discuss, he said what, and can you spend some time just teaching what the Bible has to say about anger? Absolutely. Well, you know, my go-to scripture is uh, in Ephesians 4, 26 to 27. I'm going to read it out of the ESV. It says, be angry and do not sin. So what is that saying right there? It's saying, God is saying, okay, it's all right to be angry, but it's mm -hmm. not okay to sin with your anger. And what we've had is a lot of times we don't understand the anger means momentary displeasure. It means that sometimes we need to turn away from the person or the situation so we can separate the person from the situation. You know, like when I would fight with John, I didn't understand what it was like to be angry and sin not because my family, when we were angry, we attacked people's character instead of the problem. So mm -hmm. be angry and sin not isn't going to say, oh, I'm not angry that you just did that to me. It's going to actually acknowledge, hey, that stinks. Now, we need to talk about how we're going to move to a constructive solution. 
So you fight for your relationship and you fight for a solution rather than punish a person. So there's three stages to anger. There's anger, which is momentary displeasure. God actually gets angry. He turned away so he can turn back. He would say that a lot about his people. But rage is when anger turns to sin. Rage says, I am going to punish you. You hurt me. I'm going to hurt you. And then the next stage, which is really unhealthy, is something called wrath. And wrath is when we move to judging. That's when we judge other people. And, you know, again, I, I think that I could have been Deborah. I would have loved to have mm. the job of sitting under a palm tree and judging. But that is right. not what we're supposed to do. Judging, mm-hmm. when you judge somebody else, a lot of times you say, they're not going to change. So I don't have to be reconciled to them. And God is saying to us, is that what you want me to say about you? Because the kind of mercy we sow or the lack of mercy we sow is what we see back in our own life. So we want to be angry, but we don't want to sin. So in our anger, do not sin, which sometimes for me means when I'm angry, I don't go on social media. When I'm angry, I don't do posts. When I'm angry... Yeah, I know. I know. I put myself in timeout. I'm like, you cannot <laughs> be in contact with other humans because you will sin. If you're alone yeah. in your anger, you can just sing in your car and get through it. So be mm-hmm. angry and do not sin. And then I love it. It says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Because when we do it, give an opportunity to the devil. It says, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now, when John and I are first married, John is very black and white. And so if we were having a fight, John like would flip on the light, whip off the covers and said, hey, hey, we are going to make this right. We are not letting the sun go down on a wrap. But I would say, hey, theologically, you are incorrect because we started mm-hmm. to fight when it was dark out. So I have until sundown tomorrow to make it right with you, but you know that didn't go well at all. Because when you go to bed angry with your spouse, you wake up even more angry. Yeah. You know, like their uh, foot wanders over to your side of the bed. You're like, get that foot off of get it away, get it away. Yep. I forgive you by faith. What is that even supposed to mean? So I, I had to say, nope, nope, Lisa, you're going to have to make it right. And sometimes making it right is, I love you. I'm for us. We disagree. Because you can't control or make somebody see something your way. That's manipulation. So that's also Mm. sinning in your anger. When you Mm. punish people, give them the silent treatment, take their foot away, refuse to forgive them except by by faith, which is stupid. Um, And and then, (laughs) then the other scripture that was my wake-up call in this, in this turning point was Galatians 5. And Galatians 5, again, it's talking about life in the spirit. And being angry and sinning does not foster life in the spirit. And so I want to read yeah. it in context. Galatians 5, 16. This is, this is Paul. He's saying, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit against the flesh. 
for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What did I want to do, Candace? I wanted to be an amazing mother. I wanted to be a better mother than my mother knew how to be. I wanted to be an amazing wife. But you know what? I wasn't living in spirit. I was keeping a record of wrong. Love doesn't keep a record of wrong. When we live in the spirit, we act like Jesus. We forgive. We understand that because his mercy for us is new every morning, we give other people new mercy every morning. Justifying and blaming others puts us back under the law. And then it goes mm. on in Galatians. This is, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, here we go, are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, or another version says fits of rage, rivalry, mm-hmm. dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. There I was, busted. It was a work of my flesh, which we mm-hmm. know what we have to do with our flesh is we deny it. And, yeah. you know, we deny it. We're like, okay. I'm not going to make excuses. I was busted. It, it wasn't a spiritual attack. And I'm not saying there can't be spiritual attacks, right. but you have a choice. You have a choice how you're going to respond. And I had a pattern in my life of yelling, throwing things, attacking people rather than problems. That's what I had seen. But God gives us a new pattern, a life that we can follow when we see the pattern of Jesus. And then Paul goes on to say, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, or another version, I I believe it's the NLT or the NIV says, those who practice such things. But Hmm. it isn't talking about doing it occasionally. It's talking about a lifestyle, a practice. It's your default. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, Hmm. wow, right there. I was like, okay. And some people are like, oh, that, that just means you're not going to be in the kingdom, but you're going to be in the suburbs. I'm sorry. If Paul says, I warn you, as I warned you before, I don't think I want that. I think I want to yeah. deal with it. And then he gives us the counterforce for all of that. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against mm-hmm. such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It says, if we live wow. by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Which, this, I mean, seriously, being rid of blood should just, Galatians 5 should just be hmm. on the imprint of everybody's soul on social media. Provoking, hmm. yeah. envy, comparison, yeah. dissension. Absolutely. Yeah, so for me, Every single morning, I began, before I even got out of my bed, with praying the book of James. Let me be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to wrath. God put a watch yeah. over my mouth. I had always been slow to listen, wow. quick to speak, and quick to wrath. And so I had to flip it. And you know what? God was faithful. But you have to break a pattern. I believe that I was set free in an instant, but I had to walk 
out the pattern one minute at a time, one hour mm -hmm. at a time, one day at mm -hmm. a time. And so now my default is not going to be angry and sin. It's going to be angry and not sin. First of all, there's so many nuggets of wisdom that our, our listeners are going to get from this, but I just want to also encourage whoever's listening. Maybe you identify with Lisa in the struggle of constantly having these fits of rage associated with yelling and the behavior, but she also addresses in her book, what are you if you're the person that doesn't act out upon it? And maybe you have a root of bitterness. Maybe you're trying to do the acts of God disguised in unforgiveness and you're, you're benefiting nobody. I've got to tell you, Lisa, chapter six killed me. I mean, it, it actually just crushed me personally as I was reading it and God just convicted me on some things. And so I'm, I'm so wanting our listeners to grab a hold of this book. And here's the deal. It's not just a re-release of material that you wrote a long time ago. You actually have 21 days in the back that they can journal and actually spend time walking and developing a new habit to get out of the patterns that they've developed. And so for this last section, for, for lack of better words, we just say, hey, let's pray. Lisa, we'd be honored. Could you pray for our listeners that are struggling with um, being angry, but not blowing it? Hey, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know, you know who is under the sound of our voice. You know who heard this conversation or even who needs to hear this conversation. And so right mm -hmm. now, we bring our brothers, we bring our sisters before you in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you that your word does not return void. And Father, that as we submit ourselves to you and stop blaming, stop justifying, stop making excuses, that Father, you raise us up out of a place of darkness and shame and guilt and into a place of hope and light and strength. So, Father, right now, I thank you for truth in our inner parts. Father, I thank yeah. you for the people that are out there, that they've actually swallowed their anger, that it's mm. actually become physical for them, that they have mm. stomach problems, that they have pain in their body because when anger is not allowed to be expressed in a healthy way, it is expressed in a destructive way. And, Father, for them, it's gotten physical. So I speak to the storm that they actually have right now in their body. And I thank you for peace in that storm. And then I speak to the people who are like me that stormed around and, and threw their world into chaos. I speak hope. I speak peace into your life. I thank you, Father, that you gave us your promise that as we would humble ourselves under your mighty hand, submit to your word, resist the devil, he has to flee. So I thank you for healing in relationships, healing in marriages, healing for parents. Father, I thank you that you'll give the mothers, the fathers, words that they need to have, that they'll be able to go to their kids and say, I'm sorry. Not I'm sorry and then shame adding, you made me do this, but just yeah. I'm sorry. Will you forgive mm. me? And mm. that there would be healing and new beginnings for generations to come in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yes. Amen. Shut the shit up, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. To share your should, call 315-308-0163. And you may be featured on an upcoming episode. If you've been inspired to stop shitting yourself, head over to iTunes and write a review and just give us all the stars. If there's one thing you're going to should yourself with, you should subscribe to our show so you don't miss an episode. 
See you next time.